With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Doesn't get talked about a lot, but, you know, in the appraisal world, you've got, you know, somewhere between 50, approximately 50% of appraisals go back to appraisers from the AMC. And then you've got approximately 20% coming back from the lender to the AMC, going back to the appraiser, coming back to the AMC, going back to the lender. And when we see, you know, 75% reductions in that friction, those are things that people need to be aware of, right? Like that's a match of defrictioning in the system from my perspective. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, your host for the Housing News Podcast. And over the last few months, we've spent a lot of time speaking with executives across the housing industry about how they're building and innovating in their business models during this period of market uncertainty and significantly lower mortgage origination and home sales volume. A lot of folks look toward this period in the market over the last several years as a time that they would have the bandwidth to innovate and build. But market uncertainty has put a lot of people on the sideline and only the most well-capitalized and strategic players are still focused on the horizon. In today's conversation with Scott Rose, the Chief Innovation Officer at Class Valuation, we talk about the way that some lenders are adopting technology around their appraisal evaluation processes that will prepare them to really innovate on the other side of this housing market. In this conversation with Scott, we talk about some of the things that class is building and what they're testing and learning in the market that will really help propel their business forward. We also talk about some of their inorganic strategies on acquisitions of how they're looking at other AMC and tech and data acquisitions to propel the business forward. Scott gives us a glimpse into how he thinks the future of appraisal will look. And the term appraisal modernization might become less prominent tomorrow than it is today as the industry starts to focus on UAD too. I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Scott Rose of Class Valuation. I know I did. Hey, Scott. Good to good to see you on camera. I'm thrilled to have you on the Housing News Podcast. It's great to see you too, Clayton. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Excited to talk with you today. Yeah. So Scott, before the show, we were kind of talking about like how things are going and like the the mindset and the focus that that we can apply as operators and, and leaders to help our organizations grow grow through this market cycle. Um, how are you kind of thinking about keeping your your team and your your organization at class valuation focused on the the right things at the right time? You know, really, um, tr- just kind of like you said, trying to focus on the things in our control right now and the opportunities we have in front of us and not really get sucked into the um, challenges or the, you know, the market headwinds that exist that, that are there. Those, those things are out of our control. And so keeping everyone focused on, you know, our ability to really transform this industry and do great things for it and give us the opportunity to win market share and, and come out the back end of this market in a, in a really powerful position and, and just keeping everybody focused on that, right? Like you just got to you got to wake up every day and be excited about the opportunities that you, that you still have, um, you know, in front of you right now. Yeah. So when I talk to our, our mortgage banking guests, we talk about people that are 
focusing in on expense management and like kind of controlling the, the size of the workforce and looking for technology efficiencies to build more elastic and sustainable businesses through cycle cycles. As, as you think about the right areas to focus on uh, for class valuation, a business that operates in the appraisal management and appraisal technology space, where do you, what do you think your levers are to like, to come out stronger? Like what can you do during this part of the cycle to really build something that's more formidable when we pass through this period of uncertainty and volatility? I think we really, honestly, Clayton, um, it hasn't changed that much from where it was during the the peak, right? Um, we stay our course. We, we, yeah, I mean, we stay focused on um, developing the best tools and technologies to power this industry. I, this in- industry has had a long time coming of opportunity to to transform the experience for everybody involved. And we we really try to stay focused on all of those stakeholders from the appraiser to the lender, to the consumer, to the investor, and everything we've been working on up to this point really is still in play. And we know that's our ability to gain market share. You know, the new logos that we're adding right now, the reason we're adding them is because they're excited about our innovation strategy and the direction that we'd like to take this industry or help take this industry going forward. And, um, you know, really create a, a more positive experience for everybody. And we know if we stick to that, then we will win more logos. Um, you know, we'll continue to gain market share. And, and then when the market turns around, we'll be in a position to help everybody. You know, what we don't want to see is people get complacent in this time. Like, you know, appraisals are no longer, no one's yelling and screaming anymore about four or six week appraisals. And um, appraisers are calling in begging for work right now. And so they're not really a challenge, but we don't want to be where we were in 2016, 2020 and 21 ever again. Uh, we, we really want to solve that, that problem and uh, be prepared for the next market upswing. And you know, along with that, we're, we're also focused on acquisition. You know, we're, we're acquiring more companies and um, we're able to really find organizations that have great client base, good culture, and bring our technology into the fold and, you know, kind of take what's good from them and what's good from us and continue to expand our business through, through acquisition as well. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. So <laughs> let's do it. So, so Scott, you talked about like kind of some of the pressures on the appraiser side changing a little bit over the years. And, um, I was looking back at some past articles in housing wire that you've been quoted in. And it seemed like in 2021, uh, class and a lot of other, everybody in the appraisal world, the focus was on shortening timelines. And you, you talked about your ambition of a 24 hour appraisal. Does, does that ambition like hold, hold tight or does that kind of focus like, is that kind of lifted in this market? No, it holds tight. It, it holds real tight. As a matter of fact, you know, we're, we're getting ready to launch a, a couple small pilots around that concept right now. And, um, I, I think the opportunities are out there to be able to um, actually make that a reality uh, with some of the new products and, and solutions that have come to, to bear through policy over the last year. I think the challenge is helping everybody understand understand those products in the right way um, so they don't kind of look away because they had a bad experience and and recognize the opportunity. For, for instance, desktop uh, appraisals you know that came out uh, this year into policy. Some initial reaction to those products was kind of negative because the the market doesn't really readily have all that information available at the time of list for the appraisers to use. 
And so if you send those products out without understanding that, you probably have a pretty poor experience, right? Because now you've, you've sent this appraisal out, the appraiser either sends it back and you need to convert it to a traditional product, or even worst case, they go and complete it without the appropriate information. And now you're, you're finding that, you know, four days down the road and you've got to convert to a traditional appraisal. And right now, recognizing you really have to supplement that product with, with data collection more similar to a hybrid process that we've been working on in test and learns, um, it really changes the impact and the possibilities around that product. And then, you know, something that gets me really excited and I don't want people to lose sight of um, when the market actually adopts or adapts to these types of solutions. For instance, when listing agents are capturing that information at time of list, now you're talking about purchase appraisals getting done in a matter of hours you know, maybe less than 24 hours, but definitely within 24 hours, because that data is already there, it's ready to go. And the market has shifted and it's adapted to these new types of tools. But you know, we really need more than just the lenders and the appraisers to buy into that over time, we got to get the real estate agents and others picking up on the opportunities here. Yeah. So I mean, I think any type of innovation in the housing landscape or financial services period requires three things coming together at a relatively similar time. So the 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 government oversight, like is this like does this meet regulatory requirements, the technology capability, and then also market adoption and in this circumstance, lender and real estate agent adoption that, that you just referenced. What have been um are there any other pieces that need to come together? For the twenty-four hour or the or the couple hour appraisal to to really be a reality, and, and kind of what's the what's the bottleneck? Like what has been the bottleneck on on seeing this innovation to like full adoption? I really feel when we start talking about twenty-four hours or less, we we need to get to a point where you don't have to send someone out to visit the site, right? So that that data was collected proactively at the time of listing for purchase transactions. First and foremost, when we get there. Now all of a sudden that data is there. We can get it to an appraiser immediately, and and you know within within classes world, you know we've built this full virtual environment for appraisers to work in that that gives them a real positive experience and, and helps them with efficiencies as well. We can get there without that, um, but you're probably talking more 24 to 48 hours, and it, and it really will depend on property access. And so right now it's it's making sure that someone is there to get get our you know, uh, digital capture specialists access into that home to go collect that data and get it to the appraiser quickly. We know we can turn, once we have the data, our turnaround times are less, you know, within 24 hours. So when that data is available, we can really, we can really get there. But the hardest, the hardest part of it is getting access to the property and having time to get that inspection done. So how does a 24-hour appraisal change the rest of the process? And when all of the pressure on on the timelines of appraisals and the prolonged appraisal turn times was on the market in 2020 and 2021. We weren't talking about like, Hey, this takes a week. It's painful. It was like, this takes three or four weeks. And like appraisals were really like the bottleneck to closing transactions. But when we start counting in terms of days or, or hours, what does this type of innovation or this future for valuation change in the rest of the process? Like how does it change a lender's processing and underwriting workflow or, or what a real estate broker agent should expect as they're talking to their their home buyer. So when I when I think of it from that perspective, I really think about lenders who are driving to get to a, a you know closer to a real time certainty of, of closing, right? Like getting that credit work done up front, getting title work done up front and and getting it to a point where they can really bring that cycle time down 
to, um, you know, a matter of days or even potentially at some point in the future, I've heard people say, you know, they want to send buyers out into the market with that upfront clear to close. And so then the, the valuation becomes a long pole in the tent. So we're able to get that down on purchase transactions. And really, we can talk refinance here in a minute and go back to 21. I mean, we've done tens of thousands of these within our organization and, and test and learn. And so we have a lot of data to show every KPI is improved, even when I have to send somebody out to the property to collect the data, um, you know, in, in the process it's, itself. And so it's really about helping lenders achieve that goal of bringing these cycle times down considerably less time. And I know there's many lenders out there right now focusing on that specifically. And so we, we want to be a partner to be able to get them there with this kind of information as well. And, you know, if you think about also programs like ACE plus PDR, Freddie Mac's new policy that they released where you're, you're getting a waiver, you're getting more certainty. You don't have to wait, you know, to understand if there's going to be some appraisal issues or whatnot, but you do have to go out and collect that property data to be able to support those programs. And they're pretty comprehensive and deep data specs around property. We've, we, we collect a lot more information, a lot more accurately in a standardized fashion using these tools than, than we have historically through the appraisal process. And so if this technology is used at the time of listing, for instance, 3D scanning, which a lot of agents use to do virtual tours and, and enhance the marketability of their listing, through those same tools, we can actually collect those data specs. And so now you would also have the property data collection potentially able to drive those waiver plus you know, uh, inspection-based type tools, bringing much more speed and certainty around those, uh, those transactions. Yeah, so the, the cost of originating has been such a front and center topic um, across the industry. And you, when you talk about reducing cycle times, that kind of flags a, flags a thought for me that when people talk about the cost of appraisal, they're typically referring to the actual appraisal fee that they're paying to an appraisal or an AMC, not about the impact that the timing of an appraisal has on the, on the overall process. And if you're able to pull forward a instant or uh, close to instant appraisal at the front of the process, you reduce a lot of risk for the lender of, of working on loans that, that aren't going to appraise out and potentially substantially kind of increase pull-through rates from application to close. A hundred percent. And think, think of the anxieties you're, you're saving for everybody in the transaction as well, right? Like that appraisal is a big anxiety point for the seller and the buyer when they're in a transaction. Is it going to become an issue or not be an issue. And so the sooner you can reduce that for everybody, you're going to improve the experience around around purchasing a home. Um, and then something I haven't mentioned yet, but the you know, I, I kind of touched on it a moment ago, we've been measuring everything we're doing in what we call class the digital appraisal compared to traditional. And they're all improved. Every single KPI is better. And if we look at the quality side, we've have huge reductions in underwriter revisions, right? We have huge reductions in requests for reconsideration or reconsiderations of value, which is a big topic. We have a 65% reduction in the amount of times a consumer or a real estate agent or a loan officer, mortgage broker come back with that process to, to address an issue within the appraisal itself. So when we capture data in a more comprehensive, transparent, and standardized fashion, we reduce all these downstream inefficiencies that doesn't get talked about a lot. But, you know, in the appraisal world, you've got, you know, somewhere between 50, approximately 50% of appraisals go back to appraisers from the AMC. And then you've got approximately 20% coming back from the lender to the AMC 
going back to the appraiser, coming back to the AMC, going back to the lender. And when we see, you know, 75% reductions in that friction, those are things that people need to be aware of, right? Like that's a match of defrictioning in the system from my perspective. That is wild. I've never heard the stat that 50% of the appraisals are going back from the AMC to the appraiser and then 20% that make it to the lender are also going back. That's a, that is way more friction than I, <laughs> I was aware of, Scott. What are the, what are the defects that are typically causing those initial files to go back to the appraiser from the AMC? So there's obviously a whole host of them, um, but some of the major ones that obviously we've seen reduced in this process, it can be uh, missing photos, blurred photos, dark photos, mislabeled photos. That happens a lot. And so, and imagine if an appraiser missed a photo, they have to go back on site now to go capture that photo to get that photo requirement done. Um, When you use 3D scan technology, we completely eliminate that. They're virtually gone. We have no issues because it's totally standardized and labeled for the appraiser. You know, all of our technology is integrated with appraisers' formsware that they work in. And so this data flows seamlessly into their forms and it's controlled. Another is with sketches, right? So appraiser sketches, again, mislabeled, missing information, they're wrong, measurements are inaccurate, whatever it might be that come back through the process with, with complaints there. Now we have these super high quality, high fidelity um, floor plans that we're developing with interior dimensions, showing kitchen layouts and everything else. And they're, you know, using tech, LIDAR technology and photogrammetry to generate it that, you know, just gets to a higher level of accuracy um, in a controlled environment. So you, you mitigate that as well. There's other things, obviously, that that um, that come up, you know, a whole, whole list of them. But the way that we look at it at class, and, you know, this is a big part of our data master acquisition last year, is we're also trying to help empower appraisers where we control the data that flows into the, the form process from the MLS platforms, f- from the data collection on site. And so you're reducing typographical errors and things that are just really uh, minor, but they do cause issues and they do have to go back to the system to have the appraiser catch, you know, uh, correct those. That's interesting. Tell, tell us more about the data master's acquisition. What was kind of the profile of that business and the, the, ration, the strategic rationale and the capability that it brought into the organization? Yeah. So when, when we hired data master, they're a product that's, that's used to generate um, and support appraisers in the development of their market analysis and their comp selection, as well as it's, it pushes all that data through an integration into their form. So they're not typing it or, you know, typing all that information in. And they're integrated with about 70% of the MLS platforms around the country in terms of a coverage. And so um, re- really powerful tool to make the appraiser more efficient with their time, You know, saving anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half per appraisal when they use tools like this. Um, it also helps a lot with creating a more objective uh, and neutral report. It takes away subjectivity, which we all know is a big topic right now in the industry with appraisal bias. And it allows them to use real statistical analysis tools to support their outcome and have all of that data also flow into the form to support the decisions they're making, making it truly a database decision instead of a a, a more of a subjective opinion of like this neighborhood is superior to that neighborhood. Well, let's look at the facts of those two neighborhoods and why you're selecting comparables from each of them. Median, it could be median lot size, median square footage, um, similar median sale prices over the last 10 years, cost per square foot, like all of that can be extracted through these platforms using MLS data to power it. 
And so we're continuing to grow our MLS footprint. Um, we've added several new ones this year since our acquisition. And we're also excited to bring that technology into what we call the end-to-end process. And so, yes, it will still be a standalone uh, product for appraisers to use in their practice, but it will also come into our virtual environment where now you can go everything from a virtual property inspection through that valuation development, all in one place, creating efficiencies for appraisers and improving quality of the outcome. That's really interesting. So appraisers were already using the data master product before the acquisition. Yeah. Yep. About two, a little over 2 million appraisals a year get done through the data master platform. So quite a bit. Wow. And so like through the network that you have a class valuation, are does ramping the number of appraisers and appraisals that get done on the platform inc- improve the quality of the, the data asset over time? Is, is that part of the play? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, I would envision there'll, there'll be a point in time where we would love to see all of our appraisals produced through these platforms. And honestly, you know, it's the opportunity in our industry right now, every appraisal should be produced, whether it's our tools or someone else, right? There's other tools out there in the market that are pretty strong too. And there's just no excuse anymore in my mind, Clayton, for appraisers not to utilize these tools that are readily available, right? Um, you need to support your development of these opinion of values using more modern technologies. And, and that's, again, that's our main focus, bringing modern technologies into this process to really enhance the experience for everybody. Interesting. So I, I know like an AMC kind of sits as like a somewhat of a marketplace in the ecosystem with the need to have active appraisers on platform and then lenders who are, who are sending volume. Do appraisal appraisers start to kind of pick and choose their partners based off the product, the technology and, and data capabilities? Like, do you think you get more orders accepted by appraisers because of what you're bringing forward from the, from your effort in innovation? I do hundred percent. And I can tell you for, for certain that the way we approached appraisal modernization with using 3d scan technology to support the hybrid appraisal process has allowed us to build a lot more adoption. I mean, we, we get started, you know, a couple of years ago and we do, um, I think we're still doing two presentations a week. Appraisers can just sign on They're They're there every week to, to learn how these tools work. Um, and you know, over that time, appraisers come in very skeptical, right? Um, they've maybe had this process where they've tried it before where someone sent them a 78 page PDF document with two dimensional images and a bunch of textual information they have to read through to try to generate this hybrid appraisal, right? Where they're not visiting the property. And so our whole approach was, you know, we need to bring the property to you to, to inspire confidence in the appraisers to feel comfortable producing these products. Cause they're still, they're still liable, right? There's still a lot of responsibility on the appraiser. And so that was our whole thesis is like, let's give them what they deserve. And once appraisers come in and see what we've developed to support them in this process, that they immediately transform from being skeptics to how do I get more involved? And we've really built a, a, a huge adoption, even with some of the biggest industry skeptics. Um, you know, we've, we've flown out, we've met with them in their office. We did one with um, an individual where uh, we had their uh, administrative assistant. We had their chief appraiser, a couple trainees, all use our technology to go scan the pro- scan a property, as well as they measured it themselves as measurement uh, specialists, right? And, and being very skeptical of, of these computer tools. 
And then we sent them the results from the five different people who did the scam. And they couldn't determine, obviously, from one to another who actually did it. And they were able to see how accurate the the uh, uh, floor plans that were developed in the GLA and everything else that came along with it was. And, and really transformed just to, to say, not only am I no longer like, I'm, I'm not against hybrid, as long as it comes with a platform like this. I can do it if I have this kind of information and this kind of technology embedded in the process. And I really think that that's the hardest thing that our biggest headwind is facing other experiences that either appraisers or lenders have had historically with this type of product, not understanding that if you use the right tools, you get these incredibly positive outcomes, right? And some of them, I tried them two, three years ago, Clayton, when these test and learns or pilot programs first came out. And people were still learning and figuring it out. And there, there were some hiccups back in at that time. And the industry has really advanced, you know, ourselves and, and a handful of others that have really started applying more, um, you know, robust technologies to this process. And now we're going to take a, a really quick break for this week's edition of the Mortgage Minute brought to you by Angel Oak Mortgage Solutions. If there's one thing you can count on in the mortgage business, it's how fast it changes. Hello, this is Stephen Winokur, Chief Marketing Officer with Angel Oak, bringing you today's non-QM Minute. The market will come back. The question is, will you be ready? To help ensure that you are, right now is a perfect time to add new offerings to your business. Learn loan products specifically for borrower types that can have trouble with traditional financing. Folks like self-employed borrowers and real estate investors. Understand how to prospect for them now, so you can be top of mind when they're ready to buy. Angel Oak is ready to educate you on how to build a stronger referral base and network of clients. Protect your business, adding non-QM to your mix of offerings. It could help you add a few additional loans to your book of business now and lead to business growth down the line. Non-QM means new ways to promote your business and fill your pipeline. Who doesn't want that? Get started today. And that's today's non-QM minute. This is a conversation we've had on the Housing News podcast with Mark Walzer from Incenter and Keenan Chen from Clear Capital. And oh yeah, yeah, Keenan's Keenan's a good buddy. Yeah, and even like on the Housing Wire annual stage this year, um, I think it was uh, Joni Pilgrim and a few a few other folks were talking about tech that appraisers will actually adopt and at a hurdle being some of the early adopters have bad experiences with different platforms three, four, five years ago. And they anchor on that. And they, that's tendency to do that. Like there's tools that are very commonly used in media businesses that I was an early adopter on that I've like sworn off because like, I think of certain data management platforms that require me to have like three full-time employees to even like run functionally. And that's not attractive, but technology changes over time. How do you, help bring some of your early adopters or not your early adopters, but early adopters in the industry back to the table. Now that technology has changed, the UX is better. The, uh, the functionality and outcomes are better. Like how do you bring people back to, to actually see what's happened in the last 18 to 24 months? It's, it's hard. Um, you know, it's outreach, it's marketing and it's engagement um, with your, you know, existing client base is a little a little easier because you have contact with them and you can get in front of them. But as you know, right now, a lot of our partners, they're focused on keeping the doors open, right? They've just gone through a reduction of somewhere between 50 and 70% 
less loans coming through their pipeline from this year to, you know, from last year to this year. And so it's hard to get their attention right now because uh, like anyone, any normal human, your focus is right now strictly on, on positioning your company to, um, you know, survive a very tumultuous time. Um, and, and that's where people's heads are at. We do have though, those partners who know that, that now is not the time to be complacent. And so they're, they're focused on, on working to, to bring these, these, uh, products to, to bear, but it's outreach, you know, it's helping them understand that that experience that they have is probably not the experience that they're going to have now. If they, if they try it again, um, I, I go back to the desktop product. Unfortunately, a lot of people, they, they, Vet, other competitors, vendors out there that support their customers, they didn't have the tools to support it. And so they also kind of, you know, pushed against them as this isn't a really great product. This data doesn't really exist out there. It's not readily available. Uh, so it's really not a good thing. And so people are like, ah, desktop appraisal. But they don't realize that if we get the market to to adapt, Clayton, uh, we get to 24 hour less appraisals on purchase transactions, which real estate agent, which broker, which mortgage broker, which loan officer, which who doesn't want that. Right. Um, so yeah, if it's done wrong, it's terrible, but if you do it right. And even today, though, it's not readily available, we just put it into the hybrid process and we go collect the data. And we know again, that when you do it that way, we get fast return times and better outcomes on, on the, on the back end. And I, I point out like in 2021, you know, in digital, we had some some areas around the country where we were 10 to 15 days faster than we were in traditional appraisal using the hybrid process. Um, it's obviously getting tighter now because appraisers are moving really fast and they have one or two appraisals a week on their desk. And so they're obviously able to get them done very quickly. Um, but that's right now in the lowest transaction environment, the lowest appraisal addressable market than we've seen in my career, and I've been doing this for, for a long time, uh, I hate to admit, but you know, in 25 years, this is the lowest amount of appraisals that we've seen, right? Worse than the housing crisis. And, and you talk to, to people about that all the time and your other uh, discussions that you're having. I mean, it's, and you listen to, to Logan, you know, I, I love listening to, to Logan each week talk about where we are and, and what's going on. It, this is a very difficult housing market right now. Yeah, you're not kidding. I mean, we've spent the last two years saying, hey, when volume dies down a little bit, people will have time to innovate and adopt and like improve their tech stacks. And um, unfortunately, it cooled down so fast. I think uh, some people let fear get in the way of that extra bandwidth that, that they have to actually ad- adopt new technologies and, and build for the build for the next wave. But we know there are players out there who are who are focused on the horizon. So um, 100%. those are the partners that that I, that I want to partner with. So, so Scott, as, as we think about like, like just setting, getting the vocabulary straight here, like you talked about the test and learn, and you talked about hybrid and how it's different from the desktop appraisal that may have given appraisers heartburn in a, in a past life. Walk us through what like your version of an innovative hybrid looks like. Like, What is this product that's in test and learn and, and how is it different from what appraisers and their, their lending and real estate partners might be used to from the past iteration of innovation in the appraisal space? So I, you know, I kind of break it into three spectrums of, well, there's really five spectrums of products, but there's three that sit in the center of what we're accustomed to today on the, on the far left side of the spectrum, you have your traditional waiver, no property inspection at all. 
Everybody knows what waivers are. They love it when they get it. It's certainty. Boom. You're, you're done. No appraisal required or inspection. On the far right side of the spectrum, you have your full traditional appraisal process. The appraiser is the boots on the ground. They're out in the field. They collect the property data. They go back to their desk. They type the appraisal report. What we're used to is 1004s, 1073s, et cetera. What we're now looking at in the, in the center of that are three more verticals. Um, you've got Freddie Mac releasing the ACE plus PDR. It's an inspection-based waiver. Yes, you get a waiver, but we need to send someone out to collect this property data spec. It's a, it's a uh, lower cost product because there's no appraisal required, but there is a site visit required and you, you do need to collect that data and information. Next is the desktop appraisal, which today is, is uh, you know, available on a certain population of purchase transactions. And it requires a certain amount of data to be available for the appraiser to do their work, right? You need a floor plan. You need all the same images that you need for the traditional appraisal, you know, being the uh, bedrooms, bathrooms, living areas, et cetera. And the appraiser is responsible to ensure they have enough information to derive credible results. And so it's about ensuring that that data is there. So we then let me go to the next one. The next one is the hybrid, which hybrid is only available in test and learns today. And so this is something that it's three years in. We've been testing these products ourselves, the class, some other vendor participants and different lender participants where we go out and do what's called a hybrid appraisal. We send somebody who's not the appraiser out to the field to collect the property data. And then we take that data and send it to the appraiser to sit at their desk and actually do the work. So that's where some people think of that as a desktop appraisal, but it's really called a hybrid appraisal. Um, and the expectation is based on the results of thousands and thousands of these being done during 20 and 21 and early, you know, part of 2019. Um, and going back to the early parts of these programs in 2018, we know that we have a high quality result coming out of these. So the anticipation is these will probably become policy in the next year. The hope is that's what will happen, but that will require FHFA approval and, and a move to policy. But when you've got, you know, these inspection-based waivers are in policy, desktops are in policy. And so the next one to come is that hybrid appraisal, um, which so far, you know, would, would essentially be uh, a replacement for a full 1004 or a full 1073. Do you need that appraiser to go out on site? Will there be a certain population of maybe where you still do? Possibly. Um, but with all of the discussions going on, removing the appraiser from the uh, property and in interacting with the homeowners and others is not a bad thing, right? And it also, Clayton, the other important part, and I'll, I'll pause and I'll let you respond, but when we use a hybrid process, we're also collecting the data and providing that to the appraiser. Instead of the appraiser getting to present the property how they want to present it. And I always go back to the housing crisis. I spent just after the housing crisis, six years on the board of real estate appraisers in Colorado. And 99% of the time that appraisers appraise to a predetermined value or some sort of fraudulent value, it starts with misrepresenting the subject property. You can't pull in the wrong market data if you show the, the subject as it stands, right? So they would misrepresent it. And when we provide the data to the appraiser for them to base their opinions on, it takes away that um, potential for bias to be injected in the system. So if I rewind to 2021 Las Vegas Valuation Expo, I, I, I was still hearing viewpoints from appraisers that, hey, I'm like I'm the guy or the gal out, out in the field. I, I visit properties. like That is part of my job. Like Sitting at a desk doing the computer work is not, a, not what 
some appraisers saw as the job of being an appraiser and maybe didn't feel fulfilled in that type of work. So does moving to a world where more appraisals are done hybrid, that assuming the test and learn is is successful and, and comes to market, does that require a change in workforce? Does it start to attract new people to the appraisal space that you know might have different interests or views of what they expect out of work? Yes, it, it, it might. And I will say, you know, look, when I was an appraiser in the field, that was part of what I loved about it as well. So that's one of the things we can't really fix. Um, although there will still be some, some field work. On the other side of that, Clayton, we have appraisers who don't want to be in the field anymore. You've got an aging population of appraisers. We've all talked about it. You you live in Detroit. You live in Colorado. You 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 know you live in these areas. Do you want to be tromping around in two feet of snow in the middle of the winter or going out in ice storms to inspect properties? Or do you want to sit at the comfort of your desk, um, maybe even in Florida, while you're developing opinions? You know you know that market. You appraise there throughout your career. It it allows a lot more flexibility. And, and we have a huge population of appraisers that love it. They're not as loud as the ones that don't, right? Because it's always the it's always the people who are resistant to change that are the loudest, but it's typically a smaller percentage. And that's what you're hearing at the, at the Val Expo. But some of it, some of it is, is valid, right? I understand, I understand those concerns is not wanting that to change in your day-to-day. Um, but the other side that you mentioned is it is going to attract new talent into our profession. Using these tools and technologies are more attractive to younger people coming in out of college that want a, a profession that's not walking around with a clipboard and a tape measure, you know, and, and that's using cool analytical tools, leveraging more modern technologies. And it's a great way for us to focus on bringing new talent into the profession. At, at class, we have about 150 staff appraisers now, and we do what's called a pod program where um, we have, I think, 10 or so pods um, where a supervisor has three trainees. And we're bringing new blood and new talent into the profession. And we're trying to do that in a more diverse fashion as well to, to really change the, the demographics of the appraiser population to more represent the demographics of the United States. I, and I've talked to appraisers, uh, perhaps pre second half of 2022, who fully adopted the, the, the hybrid uh, or desktop approach and um, saw their earnings potential shoot up because they're able to do close do more appraisals. And, um, it, but that's a that's a mindset shift. So I, I don't. I definitely not looking at this as like, hey, like losing the field work is a negative thing. It, but it does change the the profile of the person who who's going to want to enter the appraisal industry. Which again, if we rewind back to 2020 and 2021, the topic was that appraisers are aging out. We don't have enough new appraisers coming into the industry. We have to find a way to bring to to make a being an appraiser, a more attractive career option and bring more people into the profession. So it does seem like this migration toward hybrid is one of the things that enables our industry, your industry to build the the next generation of appraisers and valuation professionals. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, think of how many professional jobs today are office-based, not field-based, right? Um, and so it, 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 I do believe it's a, it's a, or remote. Absolutely. You can go wherever you want. You have that flexibility. And, you know, we don't need to digress into this today, but, you know, there's a lot of talk about geographic competency and things of those, those uh, of that nature. And I kind of challenge that a little bit. I mean, ultimately today, it, it's a world we live in. It makes sense. And I understand it. But when does it become more of a analytical competency? You should be able to glean information, understanding about market dynamics through data. You don't have to have geographic competency. And in some ways, I actually think 
it, it could be detrimental when you're thinking about people coming into a scenario with preconceived bias about a certain neighborhood because they live there and they've known it. And this is what they think of that neighborhood versus someone purely looking at data, analyzing data and developing opinions based on that data. Yeah. Sounds like a good thing. So, <laughs> so Scott, over the years, I mean, I've been like, watching and like seeing seeing the progress at class for for five or six years now and acquisitions have been have been part of the history of the business both in acquiring amcs for for clients and and reach and geographic competency and acquiring technology companies like data master like we just talked about for for capabilities you mentioned acquisitions continuing to be part of the innovation roadmap how do you think about acquisition strategies? You look forward into 2023 and 2024. You know, we we definitely think of um, along those same lines. And so, when we're looking at potential acquisitions, we're looking for ways to improve our our products and our innovation through technology that might be available with, within that acquisition. We look at things that uh, can add to our. Our, our business strategy, for instance, staff appraisers have been a big one in our in our strategy up to this point. Will continue to to be part of our strategy, where we can pick up staff appraisers through those acquisitions, and then other AMCs to con- you know in a in a time like we're in now, right? That's a great tool to continue to grow your business in a in a down market, and we're able to bring those um, those customers and partners of these other AMCs value because. You know, a, a small to medium-sized AMCs, they, they don't have the ability to have these really expensive tools and, and technologies and to develop them on their own. And so we're able to kind of leverage what they do well and, and give them what we do well and continue to grow class and, and you know, gain market share through, through that strategy. And, um, you know, we've had a great deal of success, especially this year. We, we've kind of, as you mentioned, we've done several. Um, you learn, you get better, and we continue to try to improve it and, and make a better, um, you know, playbook to, to do it right and, and make the sure we're getting full impact out of those out of those acquisitions. As you think about areas for opportunity, whether it's uh, certain mortgage product categories or certain types of participants in the mortgage banking banking space, whether it's IMBs or depositories or community banks and credit unions. Are there any areas where you're seeing outsized opportunity right now for your business or, or areas that you want to be more focused on next year? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think a lot of the things that we work on bring value to all, all of those verticals. Um, class has obviously been, you know, historically we've, we've been big in wholesale. And so we think a lot about the mortgage broker, um, you know, but similarly like the, the loan officers in, in a more retail-like environment. Um, we, we really want to bring tools and technologies to bear, though, that help our customer's customer have a better experience. How, how, how can our broker partners that are working with real estate partners improve the experience for that real estate partner by doing business with class? Um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. How, how do we bring appraisers into our environment that choose to come work for class and put our work at the top of the list because we're giving them tools and things to use to improve their time value of money, as you, as you mentioned earlier? Again, right now, I, I feel like I can comfortably say I don't know if anyone else has a system as efficient to do hybrids for the appraiser. Our appraisers don't have to read PDF documents. They don't have to type information in their form. It's all seamlessly integrated and, and it's it's very uh, powerful for them in terms of the amount of time they spend doing it. So they can earn more money doing hybrid than they did working in the field directly. 
Um, so I think we're just going to stay focused on experience um, and ensuring that we're bringing our partners and their partners the, the best possible experience so they can grow their business, right? If, if lenders and wholesale lenders are working with class and their mortgage brokers are growing their business because they're working with class, that's how we're going to win. Um, and we just have to stay focused on, on that area of the marketplace. Yeah, bringing value, helping your clients help their clients. I like I like that mentality. So, kind of on the the hybrid, we know that through test and learn, there's a there is a, a regulatory approval from FHFA at, at some point for this to become you know completely approved and mainstream. Are there any other uh, regulatory topics or or benchmarks that that you're keeping your eye on? Like what what's on the horizon from a regulatory perspective? That, that helps really un- unlock innovation potential in the valuation space? Yeah. Um, so obviously, we're, we're very focused on hybrid and, and uh, really hoping that's something that, that comes to bear because we think that's a very powerful tool. Um, we're focused on bias right now and ensuring that the tools we're developing are going to make an impact there um, and how we can continue to help um, you know support appraisers and consumers uh, to to ensure we have the most objective and neutral valuation processes. But another one that's kind of under the under the radar right now that I think in end of 23, maybe middle of 23, you're going to start to hear people talk more about, and it's probably going to replace the buzzword of appraisal modernization because a lot of that hopefully will get to policy and, and, and this will come up. But UAD2, the Uniform Appraisal Data Set, has been in a, a you know, reworking that over the last three years, there's been a project, a joint project initiative between Fannie and Freddie to update that data set, as well as the forms, the forms redesign. So what we know of as appraisal forms today is not going to look the same in 2024 as it does in 2022. And it's going to impact everyone in the process, Clayton. It's going to impact middleware platforms that support uh, the procurement appraisals. It's going to potentially impact LOS platforms that are ordering appraisals because you might not know what you're going to get until the assignment's gone out. You're not going to order a 1004 or a 1073 anymore. These are dynamic based forms based off of scope and type of property. So at class, we've been developing our data collection process to mirror what UAD2 looks like right now. And it's getting close to uh, its final specification. But it, op- it opens up opportunity for innovation with change like that. And it really is starting to think about things in a more pragmatic way uh, based off of what a property is comprised of. Um, you know, one example might be if that property has views and you talk about the subject property, now a view line is going to show up in the grid. If it doesn't have anything impactful, maybe it wouldn't, right? Um, maybe not the best example, but based on different attributes of the subject property will determine what that downstream analysis looks like. And it becomes a more um, process-driven valuation. And I think it will allow for technologies to come in and, and really make an impact in terms of how appraisers appraisals are developed uh, in a more effective way. So, And, and I think it's going to cause some pain out of the gate. I, I don't think it's going to be easy for everyone to to transform. I mean, the forms where providers, the appraisers, everyone is going to get hit with this. Underwriters are going to be looking at different forms. I mean, it goes on and on. And I just don't think people have been talking about it a lot. And, and I think it's going to, it's going to come later this next year. I, that's, that's, that's really good insight, Scott. I mean, I, it kind of reminds me of the, the Erla. Um, update from a few years ago that had everybody on their toes. And I think that um, 
changes in the way that data flows from a from a regulatory requirement perspective can kind of separate the wheat from the chafe on the the industry the technology players that are have their kind of finger on the pulse and you know have a seat at the table of what what's coming and um you know, it's, it's essentially an opportunity to either uh, gain or lose market share very quickly if, um, depending on how on, like, ready you are for this, uh, for this UAD2 update. That's correct. Yep. All right, Scott. Can't thank you enough for coming on today and, and giving us a glimpse inside of some of the, the innovation happening at class valuation and the, the initiatives that, that you have your eye on. I think there is some, some powerful innovation coming forward for the housing industry and definitely give us a lot to, to keep our eye on at, at housing wire because some of the innovation happening in valuation appraisal will be important to powering some of the trends happening across the real estate world. And, um, I got some, got some ideas for some future content. So I, I can't thank you enough for uh, this conversation today. I can't thank you enough for having me. It was an honor to be here. I uh, love what you guys are doing at Housing Wire. I think it's definitely, uh, if it's not in everyone's speed, it should be. Um, I love what you and Sarah are doing with the podcast too. I, I, I tune in often and, and there's great insight and information coming out of the, the guests that you have on. So thanks for having me, Clayton. Dude, Sarah's beating me. She's like five x the listeners every week that I am right now. So Is she? Folks, if you're if you're listening to Housing Wire <laughs> Housing News right now, I need you to go to Apple Podcasts and rate the show and tell me how great of a guest folks like Scott are, so we can boost our spot in the algorithm. Because Sarah Wheeler, our editor in chief, is just killing me with Housing Wire Daily. She's got that secret weapon, Logan Motoshami, on there, who's, uh, who's, who's giving her a boost. Not, I don't know. She's she's doing a good job. She's doing a good job. I was going to say, I, mean, I I love Sarah, and she does she does do a great job, and she's super interesting to talk to. Logan is definitely a, a secret weapon. He's obviously more interesting than guys like me, but uh, and, and he's very very smart individual. He's got great insight, so that that's definitely helping her, Clayton. We're we're publishing this by the way, Sarah. I'm coming for you. Watch out. I'm coming for you. <laughs> housing news is coming for Housing Wire Daily. All right, Scott. Thank you. Have a great day. I love it. You too, Clayton. Thanks, man. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.